All right, so we are making our way through Unit 3 of Parables of Jesus. And Unit 3 is called Foundational Parables because most of the parables that we're covering in this unit are covered in Matthew, Mark, and and Luke. And we're going through the Mark version of those parables, but touching on some of the slight differences, nuances here and there in the Matthew and the Luke version. But they're foundational because they're covered in all three. Well, today is an exception to the rule. The parable we're going to cover today is the parable of the growing seed. And this parable is found only in the book of Mark. So Matthew did not include it. Luke did not include it. John did not include it. This is only found in the book of Mark. And I really enjoy this parable. So we're going to spend some time with it. But another thing that we're doing in this course is making sure that we're looking at the parables of Jesus in their original context. So let's quickly rewind just to get ourselves back into the mindset of what is the context that we're in. Okay, Jesus, he's in the Galilee area. He's healing the sick, proclaiming good news of the kingdom of God. He's casting demons out of people. Then the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious people, they accuse Jesus of working for Satan. Jesus answers them with a parable. He's saying, what? Satan's divided against Satan? Well, that kingdom's not going to stand. No, I'm here overpowering Satan with the power of love and mercy. I'm setting people free from the power of Satan. Then he tells the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower. And he's talking about, yep, some people are going to receive my message. Some people are not going to receive my message. Some people are going to say I'm the Messiah. Some people are going to say I'm working for Satan. You know, it's all a matter of how the heart is perceiving and receiving the work of the Lord. It's not about the seed that's going in. Jesus is sowing good seed, but how the heart responds to that seed or if the heart is able to produce fruit from that seed is dependent on the condition of the soil of the heart. But then Jesus goes on and he talks about a lamp under a basket. He's like, look, I'm here putting the command of God on display. I'm here shining as a bright lamp, lighting up the dark, dark world. I am illuminating the world with the light of God by the perfect fulfillment of the law and the prophets and the commands of God and the mercy of God. And he closes that out by saying, you be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear, because to the one who has, more will be given. But to the one who does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. So that's the context, the storyline that we're leading into. All of these things happened on the same day. If you were a disciple walking with Jesus, all of these things happened on the same day. And this one also, same day. So I'm trying to put that package together for you, because sometimes when we break these parables apart, you forget that this was probably an hour, three hours, six hours. Anyway, it wasn't that long from the parables that we talked about two classes ago. And it is valuable to break them down and understand the depth of them. But that's why it's so important to remind ourselves of the context that they were given in. Because if you were walking with Jesus live and in person, all of these things would have happened on the same day. All right, so we're still in Mark chapter 4, and we're now at verse 26. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, 
then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Hallelujah. So as we previously covered, when Jesus was talking, remember, he just told the parable of the soils. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God, the word of the kingdom. The field is the world, and the field is the hearts of people that are either receiving the word of God or the the word of God is having its challenges in penetrating into that soil or producing fruit through that soil. The good seed is also referred to by Jesus as the sons of the kingdom. So the ones where the seed of the word of God takes root in the soil of their heart, and then they go on to live for God, produce his righteousness, his holiness, his good works from a pure heart and a sincere faith. Hallelujah. So this is a new parable about a sower sowing seed. A man should be out scattering seed on the ground. And when this sower is finished scattering seed, he goes home, goes to bed, wakes up the next day, starts all over again, right? The sower is finished, but then the ground, the hearts of the people starts to produce fruit. The sower, his job is just the sowing. He goes home, goes to bed, gets up the next day, goes back to sowing. He doesn't know how the soil produces the fruit. And if you ask any farmer, no matter how much science has tried to dissect and analyze how these things work, no one really knows except God. And this is part of the tribute and the the witness in creation that God, an intelligent and loving and just brilliant creator, created all things that exist because they work so beautifully and they produce so wonderfully according to his design, things that are useful things that are nourishing, things that are good for us. I mean, God is just amazing, and all of creation testifies to it. Well, the sower doesn't know how the soil produces fruit, but they can see the process of the maturing of the seed, the process that the seed goes through as soon as it starts to come up out of the ground. When it's in the ground, the seed is in there. It looks like nothing's happening. And sometimes it looks like nothing's happening for quite some time. But once it starts to poke its head up out of the soil, the process of maturing can be seen, even though no one understands how exactly that process is working or how it works. No one else can cause that to happen or bring that about or force that to happen. It happens on its own. First the blade, then the ear, then the grain. And when the grain is ripe, Now, the grain is the only part that is edible for food, that has nourishment for other people, that has nourishment for creation, for animals, for people, has any nourishment for anyone. The grain, which is produced in the maturity, the blade comes out, not really good for much. The ear comes out. You know what? Weeds look almost the same. They have a blade, they have an ear, but a weed has no grain in it. The grain is the part that becomes nourishment for others. When the grain is ripe at maturity, then it is time for the harvest. So what's the parable point? Jesus was there sowing the seed of the word of God, the word of the kingdom, and he tells us as his disciples to sow the same seed into the lives of people. Remember, we talked in the last class about Jesus saying, I'm the lamp of the world. And he goes on in a different version and says, you 
You are the light of the world. You need to go and shine. He sends us out to proclaim the same gospel that he proclaimed. But the seed takes root in people's lives, and no one knows except God how the work of the Holy Spirit actually works in a person's heart to regenerate them from the darkness of the kingdom of the evil one into the light of the kingdom of God, how the Holy Spirit regenerates someone away from their sin, away from the lies of Satan to the light of God and the truth of Jesus. No one knows how this process works. But when the fullness of believers have come to maturity, when the bride is mature and without blemish or spot or wrinkle, then it is time for the harvest at the end of the age, and Jesus will come for his mature bride, and he will not delay. When he sees that it's not just the blade, it's not just the ear, but there is ripe grain in the mature bride, the harvest time has come. What Jesus is doing is he's scattering seed of the word of God. Remember, sometimes when Jesus tells a parable, he's explaining what he's doing. Given all of the context that we know he's operating in, he's saying in another way, a very similar thing. He's talking about sowing seed again, but Jesus is saying, I'm out here sowing the seed of the word of the kingdom of God. But then Jesus, like a farmer, he sows the seed and then he leaves it alone. He moves on. The crop has to grow on its own. He doesn't stick around. He doesn't fiddle with the seed in the dirt for the whole time. Hey, are you growing in there? What's going on in there? He doesn't force it. Nothing can force it. It is the process of God alone. And Jesus, even in a literal way, bodily, he leaves. He is he is crucified on a cross. He goes into the grave. He's resurrected from the dead, ascends up into the heavens. That's where he is now in bodily form at the right hand of God. And he will come back when the harvest is ripe. He will come back to collect us. Now, there are a couple ways of looking at spiritual maturity, and I'm not going to go on a big, long tangent about spiritual maturity, but you talk about when you put in the grain because the harvest has come, when when a believer is ripe with maturity, then it's time for God to take them. Well, there are two ways of looking at that. You can look at the example of someone like Enoch. Now, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God so closely that God took him. Enoch did not die. Enoch is one of two people in the Bible that did not die. Now, maybe three people debate about Moses. I'm going to leave that alone. Enoch did not die. Elijah did not die. Elisha saw Elijah go up in the whirlwind with the chariots of Israel. He saw him going up. He did not die. God took him. Enoch was taken up. God took him. Enoch was so mature, so spiritually mature in his walk with God that God harvested him. But we have another example of maturity. Jesus, he is the ultimate example of maturity. And Jesus demonstrated that maturity when he was on the cross, when he allowed himself to be cut 
down. What is a harvest? The harvest is when you cut the grain. The grain loses its connection to the the dirt, the soil, the roots that it had put in, where its nourishment had come from. The harvest is a violent act. The harvest is a cutting down. Jesus himself was cut down when he was put on the cross. But his maturity, his fruitfulness, his love, the character and the nature of the love and the mercy of God was so strong in him that he didn't need to be taken up like Enoch in that way. He could even go through the trial of the cross and continue to lay down his life, continue to demonstrate mercy and forgiveness as the lamp of God. He said, I am the light of the world. Do the works of God while there is still light. Soon the night is coming when no one will be able to work. Well, when the, the world snuffed out the lamp of God by putting the light of God on a cross, Jesus was cut down like a grain that was harvested. But God raised him from the dead on the third day because his righteousness death was not able to hold him. And so the church at the end of the age, depending on what view you hold, I'm not going to get into an argument. Some say that we'll be like Enoch, we'll be lifted up, we'll be airlifted out in the rapture like Enoch. Well, you've got to be really mature in the Lord if you're going to be raptured, if you're going to be lifted up and carried away like Enoch. Most of the people I know who hold that view, they are nowhere close to that level of maturity. Are you that close with God? Are you walking with God so closely, so intimately, that Enoch, only one man in the whole of history, was taken up in that manner and did not see death? Or, like Jesus, when tribulation comes, when the trial comes, when persecution against believers, what Jesus said is that all nations, the whole world will hate you because you are my followers. Friends, what I see is that Jesus said that, and he said many other things, that the end of the age is going to be very difficult and very challenging for followers of Jesus. But will we be so mature and so close to God in our mercy, in our righteousness, in our holiness, in our our compassion, and our ability to be good food for other people, that even when they persecute us, we will bless them. Even when they curse us, we will bless them. Like Jesus said, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. And that is done by blessing those who curse you and loving those and praying for those who persecute you and treat you shamefully. That's maturity. Is God ready to put the sickle in and harvest your life? Are you anywhere close to that level of maturity where you're loving your enemies and showing them mercy and forgiveness? So here are the further considerations. Sowing seed of the kingdom of God through evangelism must continue. We must not stop telling people that Jesus is Lord and proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God to all nations. Jesus will not come back to harvest the world until all of the seed has been scattered to all the nations of the world. That's from Matthew 24, 14. Until the gospel is proclaimed to all the nations, Jesus will not come. The end of the age will not come. But maturity, 
Discipleship in a person's life can be encouraged. You can continue to sow seed and sow seed and sow seed and plant the truth and plant the truth and demonstrate, be a lamp, be a light for for other people, reveal God to others through your words and through your actions. But discipleship can never be contrived or forced. You cannot be a disciple for someone else. It is the work of God alone in their heart. Only God can do it. And they have free will to allow God to do it or to not allow God to do it. There is a process of spiritual maturity that happens in a person's life, and no one knows except God how it happens. But just like the blade and then the gra- the ear and then the grain coming at maturity, it's Its outward effects are noticeable, even though no one understands how inwardly it is happening. But it is God who gives the growth. Discipleship cannot be done. It cannot be given. It cannot be imparted. God is the one who gives the growth as a person willingly submits themselves to the ways and the commands and the Holy Spirit of the living God. Even Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, or maybe it was Apollos planted and I watered. It doesn't matter. He said, Apollos and I, we're both nothing. We're just servants doing the work of God. It's God who gives the growth. And the fruit that is produced in a person's life is righteousness, holiness, the character of Jesus. It's Christ-likeness from the heart in a heart that is submitted to God, the character of God. If you know the fruit of the Spirit, that's where this is. What is the fruitfulness that is produced? Good works and fruitfulness are not the same thing. Yes, let your light shine before men. The good works that you are doing, let it shine before men. But the fruit in a person's life is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Hallelujah. That's from Galatians 5, 22 to 23. And the way that these are produced is through obedience, submission to God and his commands. That's how fruit is produced in a person's life. And you cannot obey God for another person. Only they can submit themselves to God. Jesus, even though he was equal with God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant, humbled himself, submitted himself in absolute obedience to God and his commands. That is the demonstration of maturity. That is why Jesus has been given the name above every other name. That is why Jesus has all power and authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. That is why every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. So the purpose of ministry is to build up the body of Christ until we are united and mature mature, walking so closely with Jesus that we are producing grain inside of us, that we demonstrate and prove through our words, through our actions, that we are not just some weed. We are not some weed imposter that has a blade and has an ear, but no grain inside. 
the purpose of ministry is to grow people up through the process of maturity. You can't grow up for anyone else, but you can help them as they mature in their walk with the Lord, that they become someone who can nourish others and shine their light and their lamp to the world, illuminate and light up this dark and hurting world. Because until the body of Christ is mature and ready for harvest, Jesus will not come back. Therefore, we must continually allow the work of God in our own hearts, and we must continually be planting seeds of evangelism, and we must be continually serving God in obedience to Him and in service to others in the body of Christ, equipping them for the work of ministry, building them up, speaking the truth in love to them until all of us are mature and complete and we lack nothing. That's what James said about trials. He said, rejoice in the trials that come. Rejoice in the trials that come because the trials produce endurance. You know, as a as a, a seed that's gone into the ground, you don't want to give up when you're just at the blade stage because it go, the going gets tough and it looks like a lawnmower is coming. Don't give up when you've got the blade grown and you have an ear but no grain in it yet. We have to endure and persevere through all the trials that come. It is the trials that work perseverance in us, and perseverance causes us to become mature and complete until we lack nothing. So going on from here, just to kind of wrap this up, the next thing that Jesus talks about in this context is he speaks the parable of the mustard seed. Now, the parable of the mustard seed, we already talked about that in unit two. But what is a mustard seed? The mustard seed is something very small that grows into something large. And so in this context, it's given more like the mustard seed is going into the human human heart and will take over. It also means the same thing that we talked about in unit two, where the seed is going into the hearts of people and the seed will produce in that heart. No one knows how the seed can go into the religious heart of a Jewish person who's been self-righteous their whole life because they think they're the chosen of God and they're looking down on all those heathen Gentiles. And no one knows how the seed can go into a human Gentile heathen heart pagan beliefs and change it, transform it, whether it's the one or the other, change and transform it to bring it into submission to God, into obedience, to holiness, to righteousness, to the goodness, to the mercy of God. So Jesus follows this up with the parable of the mustard seed, and that kind of wraps up context number three that we're covering in this unit. So I want to give the big picture of context three. So we've covered a lot of ground of Jesus casting out the demons, um, being accused of working for Satan, saying that he's the lamp, that he's not working for Satan, he's shining the light of God, telling the parable of the soils, then the parable of the growing seed, and of course, closing out with the mustard seed. So what's the big picture of these parables all in the same context together? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, but not everyone will believe him or recognize his mission. Whether or not people received him or rejected him, Jesus taught 
openly. He did not cower. He did not hide. He did not back down at the rebuke of religious leaders of that day or anyone else. He knew his mission. He knew what he was about. He knew his business was to go and sow the seed of the kingdom of God. No matter what opposition came against him, he taught openly. He did not hide. He came to scatter the seed of the word of God and the word of the kingdom and let it grow in the hearts that would receive the word. Let it grow to maturity so that he can return to harvest a mature bride, a people who have been made ready for the coming of the Lord through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Not those who have rejected the work of the Holy Spirit or who have misperceived the work of Jesus, but those who have received the seed of the kingdom of God and allowed it to transform them from the inside out and even bring them to spiritual maturity. Because the family of God, as opposed to the household of Satan, the household of God consists of those who receive Jesus and who do the will of God from the heart. That's what makes us part of the family of God. And friends, that has been made available to all who will receive him.